at uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Tonight we have the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I think it's very important to God that we remember His Son. And so while you're here this evening, listen to me, let me just remind you, there's something very special about us taking time to stop as a local church and remember the sufferings of Jesus. And uh, I, the, the older I get and the longer that I have come to know Christ as my Savior, the more I value. And, of course, um, a few years ago, we had our son, 17 years old, was killed in a car accident with a sweet family in our church. And, and uh, I remember the service. And I remember, um, remember just the, 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 the sweet uh, remembrances of people as they came by his casket and greeted Lyndon, myself, and the children. And it helped us. And uh, even as uh, recently as just yesterday and the day before, uh, young people that knew him would speak of him. They would remember him and they would say, oh, I remember when Tyler did this, or I remember when we did this together. Oh, it always just stirs our hearts. And, and uh, our son did not die for anybody's sin, uh, but Jesus did. And uh, he's God's son. He's the only begotten son of God. And he wants us to remember him. And I, I don't think this is not going to be done at Wrigley Field. This will not be done at the United Center. It won't be done at uh, any other soldier field. It workplaces, they don't do this. But God's people should, and it's a very special time. And I'm looking forward to getting that. So I'm going to speak for a few moments. I have a, have a few things to say. I heard about the guy who said, I've got so much to say, I don't know where to start. The little kid in the back says, start somewhere toward the end. <laughs> and so I'm going to start somewhere toward the end here tonight and make this quick. But I think it's very important that we see what the Bible says. The passage that we've looked at tonight... It goes along with our, our theme for the month, reviving a revival of righteousness. I challenge you to look through the Bible and see how many times God mentions in the scriptures righteousness, righteous, upright. Those three terms especially. God is very much, a matter of fact, when Jesus said, um, said seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're going to see it come up over and over again. I have a challenge for all the boys and girls that are first grade through eighth grade. Uh, between now and Wednesday night, Wednesday night, all of our high school young people are in training. Is that correct? They're going to be in training, working with the Transformer Kids Club uh, for the fall session. And we're excited about that. They'll do the training. They'll go to camp and come back and start the Transformer Kids Club until Thanksgiving or so. I'm looking forward to that. But all of our young people, I'd like to ask you, if you would please, to take your Bible and take a highlighter or a pen. Do not scribble or anything in your Bible, but, but underline how many times you see the word righteous, righteousness, or upright in these chapters of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 10 through chapter 14. Proverbs 10 to 14. If you are 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, I'd like for you to do it through Proverbs chapter 16. I want you to find how many times you see. Now, if you're, you say, oh, I'm past eighth grade, you can do it too. All right, that'll be fine. Anybody, but I'd like to, I'd like to meet with all the people, who, all the kids who had that done on Wednesday night. I want to just check and see that. And I've got something special for you, uh, if you would. Proverbs 10 through 14 or 16. I'd like for you to look at that because God magnifies righteousness. You, might, you have to be righteous to go to heaven. The problem is we don't have enough good righteousness, Right. All of our righteousness, God says, is as filthy rags. So you can't go to heaven your own righteousness. So you need someone to come into heaven for you, ahead of, to, ahead of you. You need to have your sins covered. I live not too far away from here, but if you walked in, you're a stranger to me. You walked into my house. I didn't know who you were. 
and you set across the living room for me, um, I would just say, hey, we've got to take this conversation up on the driveway, buddy. <laughs> I don't know you. What are you doing? Walking in here unannounced, sitting across the living room for me? Get out. We'll talk about who you are. But everything would change if you walked in behind my son. I have seven sons. And if you walked in behind any of my boys, I would receive you. I didn't have to, I'd, know, I'd know less about you then. I would know your name. But if my, if my kids said, hey, this is my friend, I'd say, well, right, come on in, have a seat. I would accept you on the basis of my son. You know, the only way you'll go to heaven is to come into his presence, the God's presence, with his son, Jesus. If we have the son, 1 John chapter 5 says we have everlasting life. If we don't have the son, we don't have life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Man, you don't want it. You can't go to heaven through church. You can't go to heaven through baptism. You can't go to heaven by being a good person or stop being a bad person. The only way we can have eternal life is when we accept the righteousness of Jesus. In 1 John chapter 2, Jesus, or John, the beloved and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, said this. He said, look, um, he said, these things I'm writing to you, the word of God, that you sin not. I don't want you to sin. You know why? Because sin complicates life. Sin makes things bad. Every time you ever have anything bad happen to you, it's because of sin. It may not be your sin, but someone's sin. Even cancer is a cause of sin. Sin brings death. Whenever Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, the Bible tells us that the wherefore is by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, death because of sin. And so death passed upon all men, because all have sinned. And he said, he said, I'm writing this to you so you don't sin. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. What's the next thing? The righteous. Yeah, the only way we can have eternal life is we have to have the righteousness of Jesus applied to our sin. How many had that happen to you already and you thank God for that? Amen. Me too. I'm all in that boat and I'm grateful for the night God convicted my heart and brought me to an understanding. Someone took the Bible and showed me from the Bible three things I needed to do and one, uh, three things I needed to understand and one thing I needed to do and that was to put my faith in Jesus Christ. What a great day that was. And Miss Jennifer Ruth talked about that. Everybody needs two days. A day when you have Jesus. Another day when you understand that Jesus has you. And it's a day of salvation and a day of surrender to the Lord. And I hope every one of you, you'll be so glad if you have those days. But Jesus and the Lord and God, when he gave us the Bible, he elevates righteousness. He tells us if you want to be, if the whole Bible is about two things, being right with God and right with others. Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians, he says, I have a conscience that is clean before God and man. You say, if you live the Bible perfectly, you know what? You and God will be great. And you and everybody else will be all right. You, 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 they may have a problem with you, but you're not going to have a problem with them. Whenever someone, today I, I had someone who says, Pastor, I'm having surgery and I'm, I'm very sick. And I have to have a tumor removed. And said, so would, you, would you pray over me, anoint me with oil? And we certainly did. And myself and two other men gathered around them. We read James chapter 5, where the Bible tells us, if any be sick among you, let him call for the leaders of the church. And let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the, the Bible says, the prayer of faith shall raise the sick. And if he committed sins, it should be forgiven him. By the way, sin, all sin is against God. He said, if he's done something wrong, when you're sick... He said, and you want someone to pray over you? You might want to evaluate, number one, am I right with God? Is there any sin I need to acknowledge and confess? Number two, he says, confess your faults one to another. 
and pray one to another. Fault is a, is a break in earthly relationship. And he says, because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, someone who is right with God in regards to his sin and right with others in regards to their offenses. Nothing skews your, your vision spiritually, emotionally, like interpersonal problems with other people. And John was real strong. He said, look, you cannot be right with God and wrong with others. Well, they've hurt me so bad. You need to do what God tells you to do. I spoke with a man recently. He said, you know, he goes, ah, this situation happened in my life, and it hurt me so bad, so I'm just not going back to church. And I've got a cold heart to God. I just text him Ephesians 4.32. Be kind one to another. If your heart's hard, that's your fault, Spanky. That's nobody else's fault. You can fix that. The Bible wants you, he wants your heart to be soft and tender toward others, toward God. Well, here we have in a passage of Scripture, just real quickly, uh, David is handing over the reins. He's the king. He's the, he's the king of Israel, and he's getting ready to hand over the reins to his son Solomon. David is known for the battles that he fought. Of course, everyone, if I say this, David and... Goliath, even, even sportscasters will say, oh, this is a David and Goliath moment. Uh, maybe it's the Packers and the Bears. I don't know for sure about that. This is a David and Goliath moment. We're not sure which one's David, which one's Go- Goliath. We'll find that out in a little bit, I imagine. Nonetheless, he'll say this, this is, he's known for the battles he fought. He's known for the words that he penned. Aren't you glad you have the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Isn't that great? So many things that uh, no good thing will he withhold from them who walk up rightly. Oh, if you, if you start thinking about how many times righteousness, uprightness, and right is in the Bible, you'll be amazed. Because that's what the Bible's about. It's about doing the right thing. Well, David has not always done the right thing. We have a David and Goliath. We also have a David and Bathsheba. An adulterous affair that led to murder and, 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 uh, and hiding it and then confessing it and then forsaking it and getting the, 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 the blessings of God again and restoring to him the joy of being saved. But he's known for the battles he fought. He is known for uh, the words that he penned. He's known for the boy that, and the son that he raised in Solomon and the children that he raised, good and bad. He had an Absalom. He also had a Solomon. He had an Amnon, but he also, he had, a, he had a Tamar. He had some, he's known for the kids that he raised. And by the way, you will somewhat be known for that too. That's why I think moms and dads, boy, you, I thank God every Sunday night when I see uh, moms and dads here with their children. Grieves my heart. Those of you who are watching on live stream and you should be present, I want to encourage you to consider being provoked by the Holy Spirit of God and be in church with your children. Your children need that. You'll be known one day by the children that you raise. He's known by the words that he penned, by the battles that he fought. I think also he's known by the temple that he built without ever stepping in the temple. He never got to go in. He didn't get to build it, but he prepared much for it. And he challenged himself. He gave aggressively, and he gave the people a chance to aggressively give. And now the people have responded, and they have become a giving people as well. And now it's time for Solomon to take over the kingdom. And uh, they, have, they have agreed that he's the next king. And, and uh, there's lots of things I could tell you, but I love the prayer because he praises God. 
He exercises humility and say, Lord, who are we that you would let us participate with you in building a house for yourself? You see the humility, the opportunity. By the way, it's a blessing to give. It's a blessing to serve. It's a blessing to know the Lord. Never get over the privileges that God has given us to be a child of God. And not just to receive, but to partner with God. We're laborers together with him. Then I find, I want you to look just quickly at verse number 17, for sake of time. This is, this is a very good verse. I wish I could give you all of it, and I don't think I understand all of it. But I will give you this thought, verse 17. In the middle of his prayer, he says, I know also my God. He's, a, he's a talking to the Lord here. By the way, all of us should talk to the Lord. I know also, my God, that thou triest the what? Heart. You know, the Lord tries the heart. Because I know, number one, that you know what's on the inside of me. Sometimes my hair was so thick years ago, I said, my hair is just so thick, Moses couldn't part it. <laughs> but you know, Jim, no matter how thick your hair is, God can see right through it. He sees our motives. He knows why I'm here tonight. He knows why I give, why I serve, why I do what I do. You, you can fool me and I can fool you, but we cannot fool God. Not for a hot minute. No, he says, Lord... I know one thing about you. You evaluate my motives. You know what's going on in the inside of me. And by the way, that's, that's something all of us ought to, ought to remind ourselves. There's something special about simple sincerity in the work of the Lord. Don't you appreciate someone who's just sincere? Don't you hate it when you find a hypocrite? You hide in someone and say, oh, nice, 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 uh, nice dress. Oh, good night. You know, that kind of person. Person who compliments, you know, pats you on the head, they really don't care about you. You can tell that pretty quick. God's telling us here, he says, is David. And by the way, you say, why do I listen to David? Because David was a man after God's own. He understood how God thought. He understood what God felt, how he felt about things, how he thought about things, and he understood what God wanted. One of the reasons why you want to live in the book of Psalms, because so many of the Psalms written by David, and David was very close. He understood God. He understood his thinking. He said, why is there so much praise in Psalms? Why? Because God likes the praise of his people. Why do we come before his presence with singing? Why do we sing so much? Because it's not for me and it's not for you. Now, after a while, I start to liking it myself. But it really isn't for me. Music starts in the heart and it should be for the Lord. And if you're having a problem with singing, you might wanna, you might wanna, you're going to have shock treatment when you go to heaven. Because <laughs> God likes it. And we have someone in flesh and blood, David, who understood how God thought, how he felt, and what he wanted. And he says, Lord, first of all, I understand this about you. You try my heart. You know my motives. What's your motives tonight? What brought you here? Why, why do you do what you do? What's your purpose? Elon Musk is a very intelligent man, a very wealthy man. But if you look at his interviews, over and over again, he is struggling to find the purpose of life. He verbalizes it with regularity. He wants to know, I just want to know what the purpose of life is. What, am I, what are we on this planet to do? He hasn't met the Lord yet. I pray that he will. He'll find that out real quickly. The Bible says when he created the world, he created it with, in darkness. It was dark. It was empty and was without form. And that's exactly how people are without Jesus. They're in darkness. They haven't had the light turned on. They're empty. There's something inside of us that's a God spot. We all need God. And we don't understand. We, we, don't have, we don't have purpose without him. 
our true purpose. He, the one who created us, lets us know how to live. But David in his prayer said, Lord, you know my heart. By the way, tonight when we do the Lord's Supper, God knows your heart. And I want to encourage you to make your heart clean. You know, the Bible tells us, you know, he says to, to keep thyself pure. I don't have to keep you pure. I can't keep you pure. And you can't keep me pure. I can't walk with God for you. You can't walk with God for me. Uh, we'll have to do it for ourselves. I can't play my family role. For, for, I can't play your family role. You can't play mine. And, you, and we can't be pure for, our, for somebody else. We have to be pure for ourselves. He said, Lord, I know, number one, you try the heart. Number two, look, if you would, please, at verse number 17. He said, and you have pleasure in uprightness. You, what makes you happy, Lord, is when you see someone who does the right thing. I'm going to close tonight with this thought. Nothing's ever settled until it's settled right. And nothing's ever settled right until it's settled right with God. Nothing's ever settled until it's settled right. You know, one thing God wants us to be is right with him. Church family, are you right with God this evening? The one who trieth the heart, the one who knows. You don't have to answer my question. I don't certainly have to answer yours. But if, if, if are you right with God? Is there something between you and the Lord? Say, Pastor, there is. What should I do? You should admit it and quit it. You should confess it and forsake it. You got an anger? You got an angst? You got a grudge? You got someone by the throat after you've been forgiven by the Lord? Knock it off. Confess it and forsake it. When someone gets to pray, as we talked about, he says, look, before you get to pray over me and anoint him with oil, listen, confess. You got a problem with someone? Confess it. Agree that you do have a problem. What confession means? It means to say the same thing. Yes, I have a problem. And then pray for that person that you can be healed. The effectual forever righteous man availeth much. God who trieth the heart and he has pleasure and uprightness, let's give him what he wants. If anybody in the world needs to get what he wants, it's the Lord. And he said, you know what I really like? I'd like for you and me to be good. You and me to be right, right with God, right with others. As we approach the Lord's Supper momentarily, we certainly want to be right with God and right with others. I think I'm going to do this tonight. I think we're going to go to the Lord's Supper right now, Carlos, if we can. Can we get the men, if you would, please? I think we, we talked about doing it after the service. We'll, we'll have our baptism afterwards. Why don't you uh, ask our deacons if you would do this. Get ready now and. We'll do things a little bit different. I think it's a good time to bow her head and close her eyes. If you're not serving the elements, this would be a good time to evaluate your heart with the Lord. He has pleasure in uprightness. He has pleasure when someone does the right thing. When they do things right, when they think right. He tries the heart. We can't fool God. He knows exactly what's going on. With their heads bowed and eyes closed, how many say, Pastor, I, I want to be right with God. I long to give him what he wants, and that's righteousness. I'm asking the Lord to help me with that. Would you raise your hand this evening? Me too. I've got both of my hands up. Hey, put your hands down. Is there anybody here that say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven, but I'm concerned about it. 
Pastor, please pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that this evening? If there's anybody like that, raise your hand. If you'd like to have someone talk to you, we want to help you with that. In just a minute, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. This is a good time to say, Lord, I love you and I want to partake of the Lord's Supper and give it worth. I want to remember what you did on the cross, what you've done for me personally, and I want to give it worth. And let's pray that we do this together. Our Father, I thank you for the privilege to be in church tonight. Please work in our hearts and help us. I pray that... uh, your name would be exalted. Your son would be exalted. I pray that we'd be right with you and right with others. Thou God, who trieth the hearts and taketh pleasure in righteousness, may tonight you have pleasure with what's going on inside of me and what's going on inside of our church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you look this way while our deacons get ready to prepare for the Lord's Supper? I want to share with you the, 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 a little bit of the purpose and just a little bit of instruction. Jesus, before he went to the cross, uh, he gathered his disciples together and he ate a meal with them. But he took unleavened bread, bread that did not have yeast, and he broke it. And he took a juice that did not have fermentation and he distributed it to them. And he says, I'm not going to do this again with you until we are all gathered in heaven together with my Father. But uh, in just a few hours, I'm going to give my life for your sin. And there's two things going to happen. My body's going to be broken and my blood is going to be spilled. And this is the New Testament in my blood, which is broken for you. And so he distributed it to each of the, the, the uh, disciples. And... Uh, It's unleavened bread because yeast is a type of sin in the Bible. It's pure juice because fermentation will be a type of sin. And Jesus' blood was without sin. His body was broken, but it was not a sinful body like mine is and like yours is. After Jesus was back to heaven, then his people would assemble on a Sunday and they would, would, what the Bible calls, break bread. They They would have the Lord's Supper. It's a church ordinance. It's not one we do in our homes. Or baptism and the, and the Lord's Supper are two things that you need an authority to do it. You don't just do it with your friends whenever you want to, and you don't baptize your, your brothers or your sisters or your, or your, you know, your converts in, the, in your pool. There's nothing wrong with baptizing the pool, but it's a church ordinance. And so the church is the one who, who, who fosters this. But uh, God's people would meet, and they would do that. And sometimes in churches it got ritualistic. It just got something they just did all the time. And, and then some people kind of got started making like a potluck. And the church at Corinth did that. And Apostle Paul challenges them on that. He said, look, this is not a potluck. This, you're not giving worth to a very important ordinance that God gave us. And they were coming and more than, than just remembering Jesus, they were, they were eating and feeding themselves. This Lord's Supper is not about getting something in your stomach. It's something about remembering the Lord Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul told the people in Corinth, look, this is a serious time because God loves his son. And he wants us as children of God to remember his suffering. And it's an ordinance that God gave us. You don't have to take the Lord's Supper to go to heaven. You don't have to get baptized to go to heaven. They're both symbolic. 
Neither one of them, are, they're not sacraments, they're not needed for salvation. They're offered for uh, an ordinance by the Lord to remember. They're both symbolic of what Jesus did. Baptism pictures the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We have people who will be baptized tonight, later on, and they'll go under the water, come up out of the water, showing that Jesus, they believe and identify that Jesus died for their sin, he was buried for their sin, and he rose again. This right here is, uh, is, a, is an ordinance that helps us remember the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are three things God wants us to do whenever we meet and do this. Number one, he wants your mind to focus on what Jesus did for you in the suffering. None of us were there whenever Jesus died. There was no photographer to take his picture. And if there were a picture taken, there wouldn't be enough photographs over the whole world for the last 2,000 years. So God picked something. Every society has a bread and every society has a juice of the vine. That everyone in the last 2,000 years, in every century, in every corner of the world, they have a bread and they have something that anyone could do to remember the broken body and the blood of Jesus. Number two, you look internally to say, am I, am I good with Jesus? He said, let every man examine himself in context in 1 Corinthians 11. Am I good with Jesus? Is there anything I need to confess to him? And look forward to the coming of Jesus. So there's a threefold purpose. Look back to what Jesus did. Look internally and say, am I good with Jesus? And then to look forward, anticipate his coming uh, to us. Now, if you are not saved and uh, you're, you're in rebellion to the Lord, the best thing for you to do is to get saved and get right with the Lord. But if you say, no, I'm not going to do that right now, it would be best that whenever it comes by, you just pass it to the person beside you. Um, it is something that God wants us to give worth to it. It's not something that we judge you. This is something that you is between you and the Lord. But God loves this, this ordinance, and he wants everybody who's his child to partake in it. Some people find a little bit of pride and say, well, I didn't take the Lord's Supper. I don't think that pleases the Lord. <laughs> I think he wants you to acknowledge his son and partake, if at all possible. And if you would prefer to refrain, you're welcome to do that. It's an open communion. It's not open communion. It's a close communion. If you are saved and you're not in rebellion to the Lord in an air and you want to take with us, we certainly would do it. Here's the thing. We, God is emphatic that we give worth to it. 